talking baseball. Klazuski, Campanella talking baseball. The man and Bobby Feller, the scooter, the barber, and Well, I told you on the last episode that I was going to be giving you things to do in the wintertime when baseball's over. And even though the World Series is looming, I'm going to continue to honor my word and remember this. Remember this. The chicken runs at midnight. Remember those words. That's a baseball book. Yes, it is a baseball book. As a matter of fact, you know who Tim Kirchin is? ESPN writer. You see him on ESPN all the time, .com, TV analyst. He calls the chicken runs at midnight the greatest baseball story of all time. Craig Council, the manager of the Milwaukee Brewers, says this is a beautiful story of baseball, family, and faith. You're going to laugh, you're going to cry, and we're going to do that tonight on this show together, I promise. And you'll tell the story over and over again, just as I have. That's Craig Council talking, but I will tell you the same thing. This is Kurt Mavakwa talking. And welcome to Dirty Kurt's Dugout. Remember, go to patreon.com slash Read all about it, as they used to say. And I am excited, and there's some times in life where things are just great. Everything that happens is good. Everything that falls into place is good. The people that you've met all of a sudden become a part of you. And that's what I'm referring to right here. Because I have something in common with both people that are associated with this book. There's more than one. There's more than two. But the main characters outside of the book. And that's Rich Donnelly, the former Major League Manager, Coach, great player in the minor leagues. As a matter of fact, I found out that he might have been behind the plate, and I have to talk to him about this. When Jackie Brown hit me purposely in Denver one night, the at-bat after I hit a ball over the scoreboard in Denver, which was the longest home run that I had ever hit in my life up until that time, and I got nailed the next time. Welcome to minor league baseball, Kurt Mavacqua. That was in AAA. I just found out that Rich Donnelly was on that Washington Senator team. I didn't know that. Until recently, when I kind of look into things when I do this show to find out little tidbits, this is one of them. But I thought my association with Tom Friend, who authored this book, and Rich Donnelly, who got me off the scrap pile. And we'll get into that in a minute. But welcome, guys. Tom, I appreciate it. Rich, thank you so much. Again, it's good to talk to you. Hey, Dirty. Good to talk to you, buddy. How are you? I'm great. I want to say one thing before we start. Okay. And I'm so proud of this, and I want to tell all your listeners this. 
I'm the only man, I think, but I'm pretty darn sure, <laughs> that played for Ted Williams, coached for Billy Martin, and managed Dirty Kurt Bavacqua. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you put me into that category. And, and, that, and that's where your and my association comes into play here because I go back to Sacramento – in 1976, when I was playing for Tacoma, I believe that's the first time that I came into contact with you because I believe you were coaching third base for Sacramento. I was managing. You were, yep. Yeah, but don't the managers in the minor leagues coach third too? Uh, yes, they do. Yeah, it's you do everything. You drive the yeah. bus. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah, do everything. Do Exactly. So I think that the only way that I would have enough guts, and Tom, welcome, by the way. We're not going to leave you out. I know you're there. We know you're there. Say hi. I hope Tom's there. But if he's not, that's good. It'll give my producers a time to get him. But going back to Rich and and my relationship is – in 1977, after the 1976 season, in which I think that the only reason I would have possibly given him a call in the spring of 1977 was because him and I had talked and squandered up some type of friendship, at least in my mind, the year before in AAA in the Pacific Coast League. Because when I called Rich Donnelly in 1977, as a matter of fact, it was uh, – March 28th, 1977, the day I was released by the expansion, Seattle Mariners. The expansion, Seattle Mariners. And naturally, there's no jobs to be had when you get released with only two days left in spring training. I had already been rejected by Charlie Finley because he says I was making too much money, or at least that's what Jack McKeon told me he said. So I call Rich Donnelly. Rich Donnelly was with the Texas Rangers. He was managing the Tucson Toros of the Pacific Coast League. And I called him looking for a job. Is this not right, Rich? Exactly. You got it right on. And Rich said, let me call you back. And within the next few hours arrangements for, were being made for me to fly down to Plant City, Florida, which incidentally is still the armpit of the world. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> that place was terrible. I mean, what a rude awakening. Uh, going down nice to, complex, huh? going down yeah, nice to Plant City, Florida. Uh, from, yeah, nice complex. So I went to Plant City. Um, I I. Work my way through not having a phone in the room, the whole ball of wax. Uh, and Rich Donnelly is now my manager as a member of the Tucson Toros baseball team. And I basically got scraped off the garbage pile by Rich Donnelly. And I, I want to, to this day, I don't think I've ever thanked you, but I think from that time on in my career, um, I was a pretty damn good player. You're a damn good player. So thank you for doing that. 
Our farm director, Hal Keller, called me. He says, hey, Kirk Vavakwa is available. You don't want him, do you? And I went, you're damn right I want him. Because <laughs> I'll tell you why. In Sacramento, if you remember, well, I'm sure you do, how small this park was. Mm-hmm. It was a joke. And you had a four-game series there where I believe, uh, I'm not sure the exact, but you were like 18 for 25 with 28 RBIs in a four-game series. <laughs> and I always said, man, if I could get this joker on my team, that would be great. And sure enough, like you said, we had a, a little re- uh, relationship there in Sacramento. And when they, when you called and I told Mr. Keller, Al said, you don't want him, do you? I went, you're damn right I want him. <laughs> and you came and had a hell of a year. You hit 352 you, in, in a half a year. You almost had 76 RBIs. And I called uh, the Rangers and said, hey, you guys are missing the boat. This guy can flat out hit. And, uh, and you went up, and the rest is history. Oh, yeah, it's history. Tom, I know you're there. Welcome. I'm back now. Yeah. Good. I'm sorry we lost you. No problem, Kurt. How are hey, you? Thanks for joining us. So you you come in at a perfect time. We we've talked about me enough now, right, Rich? <laughs> yeah. Now now we're gonna now we're gonna talk about you. Well, um, I can't talk about your career with the Padres that I covered. No, that Tom. <laughs> let let me explain to the people. Uh, because I said I had relationships with, with both Rich Donnelly and Tom Friend. My relationship with Tom Friend goes back to when I was with the Padres. And he became a uh, a beat writer for the Padres. And I think you're with the L.A. Times, right? That's right. Okay. L.A. Times, San Diego edition. So we we all go back quite a few years. And I I got to tell you. These two guys that I'm talking to right now, if if everybody that's listening could see these guys, I wish we were doing a TV show because Tom Friend still looks like he's like 18. And Rich Donnelly, I don't know how the hell he does what he does, but he still looks like he's 25. And, and I can't figure it out. And you're all going to wonder uh, how a guy can sound as up as he sounds and – as good a person as that comes through on the air with this guy. I mean, I realized it back then, but even more so now. And I learned things just thumbing through this book in the last couple of days that I didn't even know, Rich. I mean, I had no idea of. So for you to put it all out there and to give Tom, Tom all the ink, to write this book um, it is an amazing situation, but this book is going to be on the bestseller list, I think, for a long time. Congratulations to both of you. And how did it all start? I don't even know which one of you guys to ask that. Well, well, you know, for, me, well for me, I mean, uh, you know, The Chicken Runs at Midnight, the story, and I don't know how much people know about it, but it happened in 1997 initially. Um, and Rich will probably explain it, but not many people knew about it. Not everybody knew about it. And in 2016, you know, I'm, I'm doing my daily perusal of stories on the Internet and trying to find a story to do for ESPN. And I saw a, a tweet. Someone said, you know, it's still the greatest baseball story ever told. The chicken runs at midnight. And I was like, well, what's this? I didn't even know it. And 
I looked into it and said, oh, my gosh, ESPN hasn't done this story. So I, I went back, called the office, said, we've got to do this story, maybe for Father's Day. And it just grew into a bigger, bigger story once we met with Rich in, in Steubenville, Ohio, where he's from. And, and after the piece aired, he got nominated for an Emmy Award in 2016. And then that's when I said, you know, we get, this is even bigger than that. And Rich's personality, Rich's storytelling is so great that let's do a book. And from that point, Rich and I decided to do it. And that's how it happened. So, Rich, you're still in Ohio now, right? Correct. You've yeah, never you've never left there, have you? Well, I moved away to different towns. I was when I was with the Dodgers. I was in L.A. for two years, and Colorado for three years, and Milwaukee for three years, and Seattle. And then we decided, hey, let's go home. So we're back here for good. So all of those towns that you just mentioned, there's only one that doesn't fit you. I know. I know what you're going to say. I know which one it is, too. I think it starts with an L. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Right? Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, so Amy spills this saying out in the car with all of you there that had nothing to do with anything. No, with anything. No. <laughs> I, we still don't know. In fact, some days, Tom asks me all the time, do you talk to Amy sometimes? Right, like now, <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I sit in my chair or I'm driving down the road and I'll say, God dang, Amy, where the hell did you come up with that? You know, <laughs> and, and then it happened. You know, it, I mean, you can't make this up. So Craig Council, and, and you've probably seen it progress even further because now, nowadays, as all the fans out there know, um, there is a day where all the major league players wear their nicknames instead of their <laughs> real names on their back. Right. And Craig Council, it's been rumored, if you look, the back of his jersey will say the chicken. It's in the book. Tom has a picture of it. It's in the book. Yep, sure is. So Amy, Amy comes out yeah. with this saying that nobody knows about. In 1992, right? Because that was the Correct. Sid Bream. That was the Sid Bream slide into home. Correct. When he, 92. When he, and then 1997 is the Marlins World Series. So it's five years later. Yeah. Amy's passed. You're in Miami with Jim Leland, who you were with at the time with Pittsburgh. Jack is Jack McKeon there. No, no. He hadn't gone there yet. Okay. No, he was – that was later. Okay. So you're there with Leland. The Miami Marlins win the World Series with Craig Council scoring the winning run, and the clock is at midnight. Yes. And the chicken scored the run. At midnight, you can't make it up. Well, there's a lot and- of other stuff in here that you can't make up and yeah tom does uh does a great book as a matter of a great book he he does a great job with the book and uh i mean it didn't take long for his writing to resonate with me because i read the opening sentence to the book and i went how simple is that and i've never thought about it before and that Kurt, is, if I could, if, if I could, I want to 
I want to add some stuff because and and this was Tom's idea and and there's some other stuff in the book. The books are really about my life growing up from since I was five years old here. But a couple of things I want to add that that people should know about. And about a year ago, they had the Las Vegas concert, and my other two daughters, Tiffany and Leanne, were at that concert where the shooting was, and a girl in front of them who was a total stranger whom we since we have since met and we've adopted her as our daughter was Natalie Grummet. She was shot in the face. Wow. My two, my two daughters took off their blouses, made tourniquets, stopped the bleeding and laid on top of Natalie for 15 minutes of shooting to save her life from getting hit again. They risked their lives to do that. Natalie calls me all the time. She's had eight surgeries. She lives in LA They've reunited with my daughter, Leanne and Tiffany, and uh, my two girls were so heroic. And we thought it was over yet. It wasn't over yet, Dirty. On January 7th of this year, my son Michael was in Texas. He's 40 years old. He was one of the bat boys. In fact, if you look at the picture on ESPN of the chicken runs at midnight, he's number 45 on top of a pal. And on January 7th of this, of, of this year, he was driving home at midnight, of course it was midnight, and he sees a car being pushed across the street, across the highway, and he pulls over, gets out, and there's a girl and a guy, boy, boyfriend, girlfriend, pushing the car. He says, let me help you. As he goes to push the car, a car swerves around the bend, a flash of light, Mike grabs the girl by the collar, her name was Lindsay Longoria, and throws her out of way out of the way so she won't get hit and he's exposed and he gets hit at 65 miles an hour and died instantly uh she has called me i can't tell you the number of times and she feels so guilty that my son who was a total stranger to her threw her out of the way to stop to keep her from getting hit and he got hit himself and one last thing and i'll let tom take over she called me about a month ago. She has twin boys, but she's pregnant again with a boy. And she says his name will be Michael Donnelly Longoria. So these are a couple of things that are in the book that we had to add. Tom said this, this should be in the book. Because the whole book's about my family, my life. The chicken runs at midnight, but so much more. So I'll let Tom take it from there. Well. Rich puts this so poignantly. I mean, the honest truth is that, you know, Rich's children have shown him strength through this, what they went through. Um, obviously, you know, he's lost his son and daughter, and, and you know, it's like he says, it taught him how to live and taught him how to die. And that's a, some, a line that resonates with a lot of people, and Rich, you know, is honest with all this, and he's an inspiration. And I think that what happens is that people read this book, they see that, you know, A, with the chicken runs at midnight, that, you know, maybe there's, you know, I mean, I can't tell people how to think or what to believe in, but when you read it, it makes you think, you know, there's something up there. It's not just happenstance, you know. It, like Craig Council says in the TV piece, you know, Amy, you know, the chicken runs at midnight gave Rich one more day with his daughter um, when that night in Florida, 97, and, and Rich just turned into a lot of days with his daughter because he speaks to her constantly, and, you know, he has, you know, his son up there too. So there's just a lot 
that learn from this book, I think it inspires other people. And I think one of the big things is that, you know, Rich and his family, that they put the chicken runs of midnight on Amy's tombstone. And when he went back several years later, when he was third base coach with the Mariners, he went back with, you know, Lloyd McClendon, who was the manager, said, you know, I know where you're going today. And Rich got out of the car and he took to the ballpark. And Amy's, Amy's grave is not is on the same road as the Ranger Stadium in Arlington on Randall Mill Road. And uh, he went down there and couldn't find the tomb. It had gotten really crowded at the cemetery. And he went up to the lady at the front desk saying, you know, hey, uh, I'm trying to find my daughter. And, and, and she goes, well, what's her name? And he says, well, she has something funny on her tombstone. And she goes, no, you're the father. The chicken runs at midnight. Hundreds of people, thousands of people come and see that tomb. So it's almost like a pilgr- pilgrimage for a lot of people to go see Amy's tomb. And I, I think that she's in death, you know, helped a lot of people. And uh, I just hope that somebody – if it's one person just reads this and sort of renews their faith or believes or whatever, uh, I think that's a great thing. So I appreciate Rich and kind words, your kind words, but Rich really put himself out there and told the story. I'm just a conduit, but uh, it, it's been fun. Well, it's a good conduit. Uh, and th- thank you for uh, turning it over to Tom when you did, Rich, because I don't know if I would have been able to talk after those stories that you told but I started uh, before Rich got into uh, what he was talking about. Uh, tell everyone what the opening sentence of the book is and why it meant so much to me. Because I thought to myself, as soon as I read that, I went, wow, I'm not going to be able to put this book down. <laughs> and the only reason I put it down is because now I'm on the air. So no one has ever made it to home without touching third base. It's one of life's absolute certainties. That's the first sentence of the book. Think about that for a minute. I know you two guys don't have to, but for all you listeners, just think about that. Because I never have. I never looked at it as being a certainty that you have to touch third to get the home. And that's the kind of things that you're going to learn and see when you read this book. Along with, I'm telling you, you're going to laugh, you're going to smile, you're going to cry, you're going to go, you're going to take trips when you read this book from one mountaintop down to a valley and then back up to the mountaintop. It is so good and it is so well written and it is such a great story. And I am so happy that I am a friend. I can call myself a friend of the two people that are involved with this because, folks, this is a wonderful book. And this is something that you have to put aside to do this winter. After baseball is over, you go out and you read The Chicken Runs at Midnight because it's going to stay with you and you're going to tell the story to people at a cocktail party, you're going to tell the story to people at a basketball game or maybe a football game. You're going to tell this story over and over and over again the same way that Craig Council does, who's the manager of the Milwaukee Brewers, that maybe in a few weeks will be the world champion Milwaukee Brewers. 
Isn't it ironic, Kurt, that the day that the book came out, and this has happened all through this book, book uh, process, miracles, the day that the book was came out, the great council, the chicken, was the manager of the NL East clinching Milwaukee Brewers. That is a, that's a miracle. That's another small, there's been so many, many miracles that come out of this story and this book. And Tom knows, Tom knows this. Cause I call him all the time. I go, you ain't going to believe this. I saw this <laughs> girl and she come up to me and, you, and, and, and guess what her name was? Of course it was, it was Amy, oh, you know, and, uh, little, little mini miracles. So there's something Tom and I know this because <laughs> we've worked, worked together Tom did all the work. All I do was just keep talking. Tom did all the work. And there are so many, many miracles that have happened since this book has been out that it's unbelievable. It is crazy. I have a a priest. In fact, uh, Dirty, when uh, Fernandez, Jose Fernandez died in in that terrible accident in Florida, uh, his priest became a dear friend of mine after he's seen the chicken runs at midnight peace and he gave a, he gives a homily once a year about the chicken runs at midnight. He says, folks, with all due respect, I'm going to put the Bible aside because I got another story that probably should be in the Bible. And he starts telling the people about the chicken runs at midnight from the pulpit. So it's, it's reached a lot, a lot of people in a lot of different areas. Yeah. And I won't be surprised if, if, the Brewers win the World Series this year at midnight. I mean, there's been so there've been so many things that have happened. I, I wouldn't be stunned, but uh, you know, just need a few extra innings to get that done. And and I'm not going to be surprised at all. As a matter of fact, I'm going to look for it because you know the camera's going to pan uh, right to Craig Council. I mean, that's a that's a given. You know, the, the the thing that's really interesting, and you know, Craig was a rookie when 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 Rich had him, and you know he showed up and, and this is in the book about how, you know, Leland wasn't really sold on, on Craig. Cause you look at him and he, he looks like he's about 140 pounds and, you know, his first BP, you know, he's popping everything up and they give him a few ground balls. He has no range. And, and, and Leland tells Bruce Kim, who's on the staff with Rich, you know, I ain't putting him in the lineup. Forget it. You know, I don't want, I don't want this, you know, and the next thing you do, you know, the kid, you know, every time he gets to the lineup, he's making plays, he's getting hit, turn double plays and, and Rich didn't really know him that well. And one day they go on the road, and and Rich goes to church, and and he's sitting there in a pew, and not many people there. And in front of him is Craig Council. And they walk home from the church back to the hotel, uh, and get to know each other a little better. And that's, you know, I always felt like that was sort of their little connection. That who who made that connection? You know, was it Amy who put them together? It's just all these <laughs> weird. All this weird stuff just kept happening, and um, I don't know. It's just, it, it just it, when you're writing it, you're just like you're kind of laughing at yourself, and, and you're, you're almost crying all sometimes when you're writing it. So, hey, you, know, Kurt, you, come... you should have. You, 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 uh, the book goes from when, uh, it's from when I was born and raised in Steubenville, Ohio, which this town would fit you perfect. You would be perfect <laughs> in my hometown. It's a home of Dean Martin, Jimmy the Greek, a lot of gambling, a lot of everything. Uh, what are you trying to and, say? Well, I know you. I know you like a book, and you would have loved this. Ta- you would love this town. It's, hey, we got a lot of street people here. 
everybody's nobody. They don't get excited about nothing. Everybody gets on everybody. I mean, if if you can't take getting getting, I mean, I walked into a place after the World Series with a guy. You know, I thought they'd be all happy and jumping around. They go, "Yo, Rich, you should have won it in five games. You stink." I mean, you know, they don't care. Uh, but it's a home of Dean Martin, Jimmy the Greek, and uh, a lot of Rich a, lot of other, a lot of other characters. And I played my first parlay. I tell people I played my first parlay in the first grade. And it's in the book that I was playing the parlay. I'm in the first grade with a parlay sheet. Are you kidding me? And I'm and I'm figuring it out. And here comes Sister Rosalie down the aisle. And she goes, Mr. Donnelly, what's that? And I go, oh, nothing, Sister. She goes, let me see that. She goes, what is this? And I go, oh, it's a, it's a parlay. I'm in the first grade now. I'm, I'm, I'm explaining to a nun what a parlay sheet is. And I go, well, you pick three teams, and you give my dad five bucks, and he plays it. And if you win, you win about 25 bucks. She picks it up. I thought she was going to confiscate it. She picks it up. She takes a pen out of her habit. She circles Ohio State, Michigan, and Wisconsin and gives me five bucks and says, tell your dad to play this for me. So that's the kind of town we got. Well, we're on with Rich Donnelly and Tom Friend. And if you think for one minute that the chicken runs at midnight is about a four-year minor leaguer, that uh, became a major league coach afterwards, you've got another thing coming. Uh, because Tom Friend, who's an excellent writer, uh, a senior writer at ESPN.com, uh, has worked for the New York Times, Washington Post, the L.A. Times that I mentioned earlier. I started to think about that when I, when I asked you, and I went, he didn't work for the union. Barry Bloom was with the union at the time. We never even talked to him. I, <laughs> Phil, Phil Collier was at the Union. Barry was at the Tribune, the, the afternoon paper, right? The Phantom. Phil Collier, yeah. yes. Oh, that's true. You're right. You're right. Yeah, I, well, I never distinguished the morning paper from the afternoon. They were all the same to me. <laughs> but you, you hey. also wrote – there's a lot of people listening who probably don't know that you wrote Jack of All Trades, which yeah, is the Jack autobiography of, of Jack McKeon. I was I was 26 years old. I was a young guy, 87. I wrote that book, and uh, Jack was uh, just a GM back then. Um, that you know, the team I covered with the Padres, Rich. You get you know, you got to understand. I had we had Dick Williams as the manager. We had Tony, oh, Bates, yeah. Gary Templeton, uh, Steve Garvey, Kurt, and Bruce Bochy. Yeah. I mean, you know, Tim Tim Flannery. I mean, this was. This was a great group to break into the big leagues covering, so that was uh, that was quite an experience. That's a whole other book, but we'll, we'll do that another day. But uh, Kurt was a pleasure to deal with. That was uh-huh. I, if I have Kurt, you know, there was days of goose. <laughs> it was goose hostage. It was a true crazy clubhouse, but that was good. It was, and that's the reason I think our team was a winner. We should have won it in '85 again, but yeah, that's uh, that's lost somewhere. We didn't even you're, talk you're, about you're, that. You're... Well. I know you guys are uh, – Rich, I appreciate you staying up so late. I know you guys are uh, are running around at midnight every night with this book. And uh, thank God for Amy. And, uh, no boy, uh, I can't wait to see you again, Rich. Uh, well, And I know we're going to cross paths somewhere. Of, I, I do a lot of speaking around the country. I just came back from the University of Wisconsin and – just came back from uh, Virginia, and I'm getting requests to go everywhere. So maybe, uh, hopefully, hopefully someday they can uh, book me out there, and I'd love to see you, buddy. That would be great. Tom, 
as always, I appreciate it. I'll see you soon. Um, Thanks, Kurt. I this, uh, appreciate it. This book that we've been talking about, folks, for the last uh, 45 minutes or so, The Chicken Runs at Midnight, take my word for it. Uh, you will not regret how many dollars, whatever amount of dollars that it costs to buy this book at your neighborhood bookstore because it's a fascinating book. You're going to pass it on to people that you know and love, and you're going to talk about it for a long time. You're, you're not going to stop talking about this book. And it's all because of Rich Donnelly and his kids and the people that he associated with him uh, with him his whole life. It's, uh, it's just a fabulous, fabulous book. Tom, great job. Rich, thank you again so much. I appreciate you coming on the show. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks, Thanks Kurt. Kurt. You got it. The chicken runs at midnight. Remember it, folks. Whoo! That was uh, that was probably one of the more emotional shows that I've ever had, and I have to admit, I do get emotional in movies and uh, TV shows and things like that. And when Rich was telling that story, I mean, the fact that he just lost his son Mike uh, in the last six months, seven months. Um, actually, it's been eight or nine now. Uh, but it doesn't matter. Uh, that doesn't go away uh, ever. And uh, for him to be able to get through the explanation just gives you an idea of how proud he is of those kids because that's the only possible way you can get through talking about that is how proud you are of them and you're beaming. You're not emotionally broke down about it, but they did something to you to uplift you in your life. And that's exactly the way Amy was. And it was exactly the way Mike was rich Donnelly. Thank you. Tom friend. Thank you. First line of the book. No one has ever made it home without touching third base. I mean, we all realize that it's one of life's absolute certainties. That's the thing that you really don't think about. I appreciate you sitting on the bench with me in the dugout for another episode of Dirty Kurt's Dugout. This is Kurt Bavakwa. Thanks for all the support from all the people out there. Remember, patreon.com slash Kurt Bavakwa. Or you can go to iTunes, Stitcher, Tuned In, or elsewhere. And... Be sure to follow up the show on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube and share any of the comment, uh, content uh, with your followers. That would really be great, and I'd appreciate it. Until next time, this is Kurt Bavakwa saying good night, everybody. And don't forget to touch home. Scooter.